It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. We'll take you to the places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, Hakeem dropped the ball! Turn, pigs of flow! And touchdown! Hell is frozen over! Of the 2022 season. It is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. Welcome in, Saints fans. We are inside black and gold with a post-preseason edition. I'm Saints sideline reporter Steve Geller, along with Jeff Nowak, digital content producer for Odyssey and WWL.com. Excited to bring you the latest and greatest from the Saints as we get ready for the regular season opener, which is September 11th against Atlanta. What we're mainly going to get into today is our kind of projections for the first 53-man roster that the Saints have to cut down to as of 3 p.m. on Tuesday. It's kind of a tight window, but I think it's important that we get our projections out there so that we can be on record as wrong. But first, this first segment, we're going to get into some of the news and notes that have emerged. You know, we have a rookie who's going to miss a good chunk of his rookie season. We have six players who got cut today. And I also want to talk a bit about Jameis Winston, a very grateful man. So, Steve, why don't you kind of lead us into the first uh, first topic here? Yeah, everybody always worries about, obviously, injuries in the preseason. And there were a few in that game against the Chargers, but none bigger than the rookie Trevor Penning, 19th overall selection of the Saints, left tackle. We saw him come off the field in a lot of pain, spent some time in the injury tent. Then the cart came out, and when he was getting taken back to the locker room, you, we, we could see his right cleat was off and that it did not look good for the left tackle. And there was initial prognostications from, I think it was the NFL Network saying it was turf toe. But then, Jeff, we found out it was a little more serious. I think it was his left foot. Did I say right? At the end of the day, it's like, whatever. It's one of his feet, right? right. It doesn't really matter right or left. It's going to be the same problem. I think the, progn- the prognosis is it is turf toe, right? But And turf toe... It's a very weak sounding injury, right? right? You're a big NFL player and you're like, ooh, you have turf toe and you're going to miss how long? But no, it is a significant injury. And the injury itself is when you sprain the ligament that kind of connects your big toe to your foot. That's an important, very important part of your foot. Now, it can be a, a grade one sprain, grade two sprain, grade three sprain. And yeah, so a grade three sprain encompasses a tear which is what we have here so like i saw a few like, people saying like oh i thought it was turf toe now he has a torn ligament that's the same the same injury right this just means it is the most significant version of that injury and it's going to require surgery to repair because a ligament can't self-correct that way right a bone will eventually if you set it it will heal back and reset a ligament you you will need surgery just like an acl or an mcl so that is significant, and it means that Trevor Penning's rookie season is going to be either significantly shorter or done completely. And I think that's the question we need to answer is, do the Saints intend to get him back? Do they think they can get him back later in the season? Because as we go through the roster projections, you know that's going to determine whether you keep him on the roster through the initial 53, kind of like you did with Will Lutz last year, and then put them on IR because you can bring back up to eight players after four weeks. Or if you just don't think he's going to be back at all, you could put him on IR now 
save that roster spot, but that would end his season. So like, that's the question. And one way or another, it's just a bummer for, for a young player who I thought was improving quickly. I thought he was progressing very well. And uh, now he's kind of stuck. Yeah. And what's kind of ironic is that the guy that he was battling for the starting job with in James Hurst also suffered a, a toe injury in green Bay, not, not turf toe. At least we weren't, you know, we're not led to believe that, but Dennis Allen at least said, after the preseason game against the Chargers that Hurst is expected back as a Saints favorite saying sooner rather than later. I feel like Which, James Hurst is going to be back sooner rather than later. Um, so that's obviously, a, you know, a good thing. Good thing. Usually when we've heard Dennis Allen saying sooner rather than later, that person's pretty much been there the next day. Yeah. So the track record on Dennis Allen is when he says sooner rather than later, that person is on the field the next day. Now, the Saints don't practice today, which is Sunday, but they do practice on Monday. So <laughs> if that track record holds, we might see James Hurst out there on Monday in one way or another. When the coach says that, it's a good indicator that, like, you know, we got two weeks to get ready for this, Saint, this Saints-Falcons opener. And if he's already feeling confident about his status, and that's a good thing relative to James getting out there. And that makes you feel a lot better about okay, who's going to be the left tackle week one? Because if we know Trevor's not going to be out there and it better be James Hurst because I don't know who else it's going to be. We can kind of get into these cuts now because one of the cuts was Derek Kelly, who I'm kind of surprised by because they signed him, you know, late in the preseason, but he was the first player off the bench at left tackle in that final preseason game. And I thought he played pretty well, but he got cut today. He was one of the six players that got cut. So maybe Louis Kidd, you know, maybe it's a, uh, you know, waiver claim A or waiver claim B. Uh, but you're going to have to figure out who that backup left tackle is. And uh, it's not going to be Derek Kelly unless they, they're just messing around when they're going to bring him back. But yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely a position now that they're, I would think they're going to be looking for, obviously, when these other teams are going to be cutting down their rosters as well at the same time of finding maybe someone along that avenue. I, I don't imagine them going after in a trade situation at all with another team to shore up the spot. Yeah. I mean, I think you're going to look hard at the players that get cut because every team is cutting 27 players and there's going to be interesting names out there and you're not looking for a starter, right? You're looking for a backup. You you'll have some options, right? Because you're not expecting them to start anyway. So kind of like you brought in James Hurst a few years back, the being a veteran in any capacity is a good thing. And when you're trying to find a fill a backup spot. So I think they'll be able to find somebody if they don't feel comfortable with Lewis Kidd. Well, a big key is going to be is Landon Young healthy too. Yeah, Landon Young has also been hurt. Um, but, you know, it didn't sound like it was anything super significant. And he's obviously not the starter. So if he is a little dinged up, you might not need to go out and find anybody because you trust Ramchek to be healthy anyway. But yeah, it's definitely making things more complicated. If we want to go through and just list the, the players who were cut, today which is sunday um so we they they got the first six names out of the way so now they're down to 74 players they also reached an injury injury settlement with kevin white so he is off ir players they cut offensive lineman Kalik washington obviously Derek kelly as we had mentioned two cornerbacks quentin meeks brian allen they were both usfl guys that you brought midway through camp and you know i don't think it's a particular surprise they got cut you know they were depth guys and they were going to get cut either way, but I thought they played reasonably well, just kind of showing their skill set. 
Hopefully they can latch on somewhere else. Defensive tackle, Josh Black. And then the one that kind of stands out and the one that will be interesting to watch over the next 24 hours, Steve, if anyone claims him, is uh, running back Abram Smith, a guy that I know a lot of fans were hoping to see make the roster. But I think this is the right move. I think that he's a he's a guy you want on the practice squad. He's a guy, I think, who has some some serious upside down the road. But I don't think he's ready to contribute in his rookie season. So I think it makes sense to try to stash him on the practice squad. But he has been cut already. Yeah, I think he, you know, we showed some flashes of him, obviously, at practice. Not really anything extraordinary during the preseason for him, but a guy that I think everybody had a, some high hopes for coming out of Baylor, you know, broke the rushing yards record there his final season and seemed to be, you know, that kind of physical, compact running back you thought could be someone to contribute on this roster and yeah, I, I always thought he'd be someone that ended up on the practice squad. I just didn't know if initially he'd be on the active roster first and then, and move, you know, to protect him. That'll be interesting to see if any other squads in the NFL have any interest in him. Yeah, I would expect they can, they can put him on the practice squad. I don't, I don't think that, you know, every other team is having, you know, difficult decisions to make too, right? No team is like sitting there like, wow, we only have, 44 players let's go claim all of the intriguing names off these other rosters and plus you know i think that to some extent and i think mike detillier brought this up on first take the other day like if you start claiming guys off of other teams rosters that they want to keep around and they want to stash in the practice squad they're going to remember that and they're going to come after your guys (laughs) you know so i think that to some extent teams are aware of that and they're not like just like they're picking guys up only in situations where they really feel confident this player can contribute right away. Or like they think they see something in a guy that other teams that other teams are overlooking because you have to keep them on the active roster. If you claim them, it's not like you can claim them and then send them to your practice squad. They have to be on the active roster for three weeks and then you have to do something with them after that. So I think they will be fine, but he is one of the players. If there's four or five players on this roster that might, you know, have someone, you know, pique their curiosity. He's one of them. But I do think that he's a guy who, you know, maybe next year, if you can keep him around, you can bring him back when, you know, ideally when Alvin Kamara gets suspended is because if they're able to push it till next year, you know, hopefully he's a guy then that you can that you can lean on because he's a year in. And, well, uh, hopefully, we'll hopefully ideally, he never gets suspended, though. Oh, yeah. Maybe he can just drag this court case out <laughs> until he retires, like until his career is over. Or he's got a really good lawyer and then everything's dropped. Well, then he'll get suspended. That's the thing. Yeah, I don't think that even the case getting dropped will stop him from getting suspended. That's the thing. Like that's that's the NFL discipline because they're going to say you broke the personal conduct policy either way. Now, I think from a legal perspective, he would be way better off if the case got dropped and he doesn't have to face criminal charges in the, you know, in Las Vegas. Absolutely. Right. But from a from a suspension perspective, and that's what throws a wrench in. <laughs> yeah. You could you, you're better off dragging it out if you don't want to get suspended this season. So that's going to be the interesting thing. But still, um, I know we've talked about it before a little bit. What's so wild, too, with that Camara case is the fact that we still haven't seen this supposed video that's that there's of the whole incident. And that's that's just really surprising to me. I guess it's uh, under lock and key very well. Yeah, I'm, I would guess. So someone brought this up. I can't remember who, but they were saying like the Tyreek Hill case, like a lot of that stuff was sealed by a judge. So like releasing it would be a crime. And like, that's the difference, right? If you're just, if, if this is just a video and you're releasing it, no one's going to go to jail if they, you know, get, get, get caught in this case, if it's sealed by a judge, then that is, that is, that is illegal. So that's part of what makes it, 
I think is probably what's going on and keeping that under wraps. But kind of changing course here and going to a player that we did get to see and we will get to see this season is uh, Jameis Winston, who I thought looked fantastic. We're not going to get into too much from the preseason game because it happened, you know, a couple of days ago at this point. And those Friday games are tough to react to on a on a on a Monday. But his performance in that game gives you, you know, as someone who's just wondering what the Saints offense is going to look like. I mean, you have to be confident. I mean, how can you not come away from that and feel confident about what this team can do, knowing that, you know, the defense is the strength of this team and the offense looked that good. I know the Chargers didn't play their starters. I know that. But, you know, this is the first time Jameis has been on the field since Halloween of last year. I don't care who's playing defense. He looked good. Yeah, and he brought that up, too, was the fact that, you know, he was out there for the first time since getting injured Halloween in the same place you know, the same the, in the Superdome. And he looked confident. I thought it was great. Obviously, you saw him take a shot or two, was able to get up, recover from that, was not an issue. Uh, the knee was fine. The foot looked fine. And we still haven't seen him yet even connecting with Michael Thomas in a live game. No, but I'll tell you one thing. He's grateful. A little you bit. know how I know that? Because he said it 10 times in a four-minute interview after the game. 10 times. I'm waiting for you to hit it. Oh, you want me to prove it to you? Okay. Yes, I, I don't believe you. You don't believe me? Okay, here you go. Grateful, man. I'm so grateful for the opportunity just to be back in this dome and play in front of our fans and get a chance to execute. But like I said, I'm just grateful. Like I said, I'm just grateful to be out there, man. It, it was, it meant a lot. Just gratitude, man. I just kept telling the Lord, thank you. Thank you. I just was grateful to be back, man, and thank you. But what I was really grateful for was just the opportunity to go out there and do that and compete. So. Thank you to DA. I'm grateful for every chance I get out there on the field. I'm happy I was able to go out there and execute. I forget. I'm just grateful that that he gave me the heads up that I'm going to go out there and and ball. And I told him thank you. I'm just grateful that uh, I was able to be out there with my teammates and compete and be back out there in the dome in front of these fans. My gratitude for being out there is way more important than complete passes. Completed all of his passes. Yeah, he completed all four, 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 59 yards. And, you know, I, I'm just poking a little fun because after listening to that, I wanted to go back and kind of figure out how many times did he actually say the word grateful? He said, you know, whether it was grateful or gratitude, he said it 10 times in four minutes, which, you know, if you, you got a message you want to get across, you get it across and I'm not going to fault him for that. And I do think he was being genuine. Um, I'm not going to say he was, you know, acting or anything. It was just kind of funny. And I appreciate it. I appreciate that he is that he is grateful and he should be because that was not a easy road for him to come back. Like, however, that Friday went for him one way or another, it was going to be a a big, major landmark moment for him in his career, because coming back from a major knee injury is not a guarantee. Not everyone can do it. And he attacked his rehab. He went through it all. He came back. He never missed a minute of OTAs or mini camp, and now he's back. So good for him. Yeah, and I think it was funny. Like I mentioned, he was perfect four for four. He had Andy Dalton five for five again, perfect. So between those two, they did not have an incompletion this entire preseason. Yeah, it was something like fourteen for fourteen <laughs> for like a hundred. I tweeted this the number for like one hundred and seventy yards and a touchdown pass, um, which is you know that's not bad considering you know. A majority of that was going to like Marquez Calloway. And <laughs> I thought Jarvis Landry also looked really good. I mean, 
Jarvis, you know, I asked Jameis about this after the game. And so on second and 14, there were two guys open underneath. I think it was Juwan Johnson and Alvin Kamara. And like, these were, these were wide open throws on second and 14. You could have hit either of those. And it's just a free money, six to eight yard gain to, to turn a second and 14 into a third and manageable. Right. And if this was last year, I don't care who's running that route up the field. You need to throw it to Alvin Kamara or Jawan Johnson and make it a third and manageable because whoever you're targeting is not going to endear uh, confidence, engender confidence, because it would have been maybe Kenny Stills, Kevin White, Traquan Smith, right? Any of those guys, I don't have faith throwing the ball to. So you want to make it third and manageable. In this case, it's Jarvis Landry. So all of a sudden, that throw is the smart throw because I have more faith in Jarvis Landry getting open and catching the ball than just about anybody. So it's like, that's the difference between having weapons and not having weapons. Because when you have weapons, it can make a questionable decision, the right decision. And I think that's what you saw there. And you brought up Traquan Smith, and it's going to be interesting to see how serious his shoulder injury is, because is that going to free up now a roster spot for someone like a Kirk Merritt or a Dejon Dixon to end up making this roster? Yeah, we're getting into more of that in the second segment. But yeah, he um, the fact that he's dealing with an injury now does not help his case. I've been pretty confident about him making the roster all throughout camp, and now I'm questioning it because you know once you once you add a add a shoulder injury, and suddenly now instead of one drop in the end zone, like that play worked out, the play he got hurt on, and he kind of like flipped it up into the air, and Marquez well, Callaway caught it and right. ran in. That's a terrible play by him. If you see the replay, the Chargers defender tipped it when it was up in the air, like he got a hand on it, so it was that close to you know, instead of being an incompletion, being an interception. And because it worked out, you kind of gloss over it. But I guarantee you the coaches aren't glossing over that. But that in, it did end up being a Saints completion, though. Yes, but not because Traquan made a good no. play. And that's my no, point. Like, Marquez gets credit for being alert and catching it. And he should have got a touchdown if the refs just could stop doing stupid things <laughs> when the Saints play football in front of them. They love um, blowing the whistle on the Saints. Marquez gets credit for being alert, but like Trey, it made a terrible play <laughs> and that's not going to help his case. And for a guy who you have him on the roster because you trust him to make the right play and to do the smart thing. I don't think he intentionally batted the ball up in the air, but you know, not being able to make plays that you should make is not a good sign for you trying to make that roster. And I think, you know, we'll get into this more, but yeah, I, 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 I took him off my projection and, uh, He's in your doghouse. Yes, yes. He had a chance to really kind of secure his spot, and I don't think he did. Um, so we're going to hit the break. Remember to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast inside Black and Gold. Remember to give us five stars, rate, and review. Let us know what you're thinking, and stick around. We're going to start with our offensive roster projections, not offensive, offensive roster projections. Let's get at it. <laughs> 